thank you and praise you for this morning. And as we lift our, yes, our voices to you. But Lord, may it be truly from our hearts. That they're just not songs that we sing. But they're a reflection of truth. That is from our hearts. And from our minds. Lord, as we open up your words. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will illuminate the word to us. That you would use your word, as your word says, to transform our minds and transform our hearts. To see things from a biblical view of life around us, a life we live. It would transform and open our eyes and open our hearts to receive your truth, and may it be etched upon our hearts this day forward. As we hear your word, meditate on your word, be it life-changing this morning, Lord. I pray if there's anyone listening to my voice right now that doesn't know you, has not been born again, not been transformed, I pray today's the day of salvation for that person wherever they may be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you're settling in, I hope you did not forget your Bibles, because here at Calvary Chapel, uh, we bring your Bibles. And uh, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We are just now, as you've been with us since 2011, <laughs> so I was we're just now finishing up all of the New Testament, and, uh, and we'll start back over, and we'll go again, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Now, I hope you're joining us on Wednesday nights, if you're online, but I encourage you to come here on Wednesday nights as we're going through the Old Testament, and we're wrapping up uh, here soon, I hope, uh, 2 Samuel, and, uh, and you can catch us on the, on the journey with us through the Old Testament as well. Why? Because it's the whole counsel of God. All 66 books is the whole counsel of God. We must have, because the Old Testament talks of what will happen, the New Testament is showing the fulfillment of what is, was spoken of, and so it's important for the whole counsel of God. So open up your Bibles to Revelation Chapter 16. <clears throat> Titled the teaching today, uh, we will not be doing all chapter 16 as much as I thought I would. I uh, quickly found out we weren't going to have enough time along with communion to be able to do that. And those online, we are having communion, so make sure you get your uh, cracker and uh, juice ready. But I call it the final bowls of judgment. I am thankful, and I'm sure you are, if you've been following along with us, you as a believer, we will not see and experience the final bowls of judgment. Those who have rejected God will feel the final judgments, the bold judgments, the wrath of God upon them. In Revelation 16, it speaks of the final bowls of judgment, but remember, 
<laughs> Remember, the world is very sick. Very, very dark time right now in this, at the end of the seven-year period of tribulation. It's suffering from the cancer of carnality of its most concentrated form. The church has been raptured. Spirit of God is not operating in the same way. It's still present. God is all present. He cannot not be here on this earth when this is happening. But the suffering of this carnality and concentration of carnality of darkness is not one we would want to be part of. It's filled with the plagues of perversion to the extent that we've never seen before, that we think is bad now. Wait till the concentration of that. The sickness of sin is rampant. And it's very real in day-to-day life during this period of time of tribulation, of the seven-year tribulation. But especially here at the end. Therefore, in the period of the tribulation, the Father, the Heavenly Father, will deal with the sin that permeates and pollutes our world. Before He comes back and sets foot on this world, on this earth once again. Now you can undergo the brutal and, and bloody radical surgery of, trip, of the tribulation. You could choose to do that if you're not a believer today. But that would be the, one of the most unwise decisions you will ever make. Or you can undergo the open heart surgery in this day of grace by opening your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Understand, sin must be judged one way or another. It will be judged. This doesn't, regardless how you feel and what you think. You're not God. There's a distinction. There's going to be the people who think they're God and those who know they're not. And you and I know we're not God. But even in the church world today, there's twisting, and, and the, Satan's twisting even into the, the churches that think that you become gods. When you get born again. The trickery. The deception of, of Satan. And the, and the stealing and the robbing and destruction of people's lives of this false teaching. I highly recommend the bypass. By bypassing the tribulation. And letting the Lord do surgery on your heart today. Remember in Ezekiel 33.11, it says, the Lord says here, it says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? He's calling. He doesn't have any joy in watching the wicked be destroyed because of their decision to rebel and to, to reject God. Today, the mystery of God is finished here in the scripture. What is that mystery speaking of? It was back in chapter 10, verse 7 of the mystery of God. The martyrs in glory was asking, how much longer? How long is this going to happen? This is terrible. We saw that in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And now their cry will be answered because now the final judgments are going to be complete. It's done. 
The seven angels emerged from the heaven temple back in chapter 11, verse 19, because their work is holy, as are the judgments they're about to lay out that God has given them to pour out of the, of the bowls. Keep in mind, the earth dwellers up to this time have already suffered from the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments. But this final series of judgment will complete God's plan. And then the next step after that is his return with you and I on white horses to rule and reign. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 1, we see here, then I heard, John says, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So John heard it clearly with a commanding voice. A voice only who can direct the angels, of course, is God himself. And this loud voice from God is, is personally inten- in intensity, initiates and gives command to the, these seven angels to do what their mission or tasks are to do. God says you will do the following, and they they were instructed. They just came from the temple. They clearly knew what their mission is, and they were to do it without a question when God says go. And God said go. Go and pour out the bowls. What are these bowls? Of the wrath of God on the earth. Since no one could enter the temple at this point, we saw there in Revelation chapter 15, verse 8, this loud voice from the temple must, of course, is God himself who's personally giving this announcement. And he tells him, goes, this is the fulfillment of the third woe that was described in Revelation chapter 11, verse 14. I see woe as the woe of the, uh, the, the seal judgments. We see the woe of the trumpet judgments. And we see the woe of the, of the final bowls judgments. And I see these three. Some today will say that the seals are not judgments. They're just natural disasters. I don't see it that way. Some say oh, trumpets are pretty clear now. Yeah, these, this is the, trump, the trumpets are you know, God's judgment. Yes, it's a little bit more clear when we did the trumpets. But the bowls today are even more clear. These are from God. But I still see the mercy of God in, even in the judgments of how he rolled them out. He started by saying, okay, I'm going to take my hands off this and allow the natural disasters to come about that get your attention. But I'm the one allowing the, the global st- structure to happen in these destructions and through these seals through uh, across the board, the four horse ap- apocalypse. This is, this is part of God allowing it to happen, to, Satan to have free reign at the very end. Then it gets a little bit more intense because people are still not repenting. And he brings back the trump, about the trumpet judgments. And then we found that people were not even repenting when the trumpet judgments come upon. Even though they were more intense, more clearly, this is God, divine happening. And now we see the ultimate finished. And that is the bull judgments today. 
Now, as we take a look at this, think about this. Because they're describing the wrath of God here, these bold judgments. They're the most intense of the judgments that bring about not just chastisement, which was, I believe was the seal and almost the trumpet, but these bowls are pure punishment poured out. And the purpose is to dispense justice. Because justice must be paid for those of rebellion against God's way. And as such, we usually think of these as occurring at the end of the seven-year period of time, which of the tribulation, which is true, immediately before Jesus' return. Each of these stages may have had to take it of time. Yes, some people will argue over and, and debate around, you know, when the seals and when the judge, the trumpets and the judgments ha- or the bulls happen. And, and some will say, well, seal and the trumpets were before the three and a half years and the bulls were just purely after the three and a half years. Again, if you're saved, understand must, you must be ready be ready for God's return. In regards to what we may have to face until he comes back and, ret- and takes us home. Are you ready? Because a lot of things are going to be very deceptive by Satan's ruling of this world today. And the things that are unhinged. I mean, the things that people are so easily deceived through media and through so many other ways today. You must protect your mind and you must protect and filter all things that you read and are watching and seeing because you don't know if it's real or not. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to have the the discernment to be able to look at things and filter it from God's perspective. If not, you will be deceived. And if you think you can do it on your own, you're even more deceptive. God did not ask us to handle this world, this life that we live, on your own. He wants you to be part. It's their safety within the the, the church family. God gives spiritual gifts to people to help each other, the body, to flourish and be healthy. And so to isolate yourself and think you can do it on your own and Google everything, I'm telling you now, Google is not real. AI has changed everything for us. Things are created that have never happened and are not real. And you must understand, you must stay in the word of God so that you are, you are, and stay in very clear communication and close intimate relationship with your Lord. You must be communicating, you must be in prayer. So that the spirit of God can show you things that other people are deceived by and you are not. Because in these seven-year period of tribulation, there'll be quite the deception. Because Satan will empower the Antichrist, the false prophet, and anyone else who's open to it, who take the mark and worship the image, will be used against God's people. Before the tribulation, during the tribulation, because there'll be people who will get saved during the tribulation. But these images from Israel's that we see here now also were images that we saw previously in Exodus. That's why we studied the Old Testament. 
The images that we're going to talk about today are seen in Exodus and are very prominent in the bold judgments. In the days of Moses, God sent plagues upon Egypt, including the plagues of boils and water turning to blood and darkness on the land. God's judgment of this world will not be a symbolic judgment. Many today will teach this, that this whole tribulation thing and, and judgments is just symbolic. Again, you're being deceived if you believe that. There's no way in the study of this scripture can you tell me this is symbolic. Remember that the re reality behind a symbol is always more real than in, in this case, more, in this case, more terrifying than what you read. When you read it, like, wow, this sounds really bad. But in reality, when you go through it, it's going to be far, far worse. I can't even begin to even fathom. I will try to try to do that today to give you the sense of intensity of the judgment that's coming upon the people. In verse 2, we see the first bowl. So the first, the first angel, went and poured out his bowl upon the earth. And a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These are people who are absolutely sold out and committed to the Antichrist. Who worship them. Completely devoted to. Took a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. One of them. And what was the outcome is that the first angel pours out the first bowl because God said this is the first thing, this is the first angel, that the first bowl is going to do the following to man on this earth. What is that? A disgusting, detestable sore comes upon him. Physically, man, woman will be physically harmed by a sore coming upon them. For those who took the mark, those who worshiped the beast, these nasty sores are going to be a result of a reminder of that decision. This bold judgment reminds us of the sixth plague in Egypt in Exodus 9, also noted in Deuteronomy 28. Only those who have submitted to the beast and who have rejected the warning of the first angel will experience this judgment. Revelation 16, when we get to verses 9, 10, and 11 next week, Lord willing, suggests that these sores do not disappear. But by the time of the fifth bowl, people are still in pain and agony for the first judgment of this bowl. This also shows us that the final bowls of judgment will happen one after another in a quick fashion. Instead of spreading over all three and a half years at the end of the tribulation, it's probably in just a matter of days or weeks, I believe. We will find out why I believe that. You may have a different view. But I think they're going to be quick. Why? Because... This also, the intensity of the entire world population suffering from a painful, oozing sore that can, nothing can cure. Even apple cider vinegar is not going to solve it for you. 
A constant pain by all will be placed with this intense human disparity. Imagine all the people left behind, all of us, not us, but those there at that time, all have oozing sores and pain. What kind of intense fellowship would they have in their homes and with their neighbors? You can imagine when someone is hurting and suffering, they sometimes are not the most pleasant person to be around. I know that doesn't mean you. You're always pleasant even when you're sick. Right, Stan? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Ask my wife. I, 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 I you know, we're, we're, you know, we just, anyway, let's move on. But the point where I get myself in really big trouble. Um, but the intensity and the human suffering is going to cause a lot of challenges mentally in that period of time. Remember, God's mercy sent angels flying across the sky crying, No touchy! Don't touch the mark! Don't take the mark! Don't be deceived! And they chose not to listen. 144,000 Jewish evangelists were sent out into the streets to tell people, do not be deceived and do not take the mark of the beast. And what did they do? They took it. But God showed mercy and it was still sending warnings. Do not, you must, don't, 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 don't touch. Don't be deceived. Don't be go following down this. I know that religious leader is swaying all these religions to follow this one religion mindset and the religious false prophet is convincing you this must be okay. But these people, the 144,000 and the two the, the, the angels are coming across, the two witnesses, how much more warning do you think you need from a divine warning to not touch it? But when your heart is so hard, and your neck is so stiff, and you're so prideful and rebellious and think you're God, and you want what you want and live however you want to live, even near-death experience will not cause a person to repent. We will see that today and next week. That is always the way it is with sin. The reason you have so many problems and pains and difficulties is because many times it's our own sin is causing it. Because we're not willing to change. It's not God punishing you, but it is the result of your own rebellion and my rebellion that causes problems many times. Then this second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. Now the target is now the sea. It was man, now it's the sea. And it became blood as of a dead man. And living, and every, notice that word, every living creature in the sea died. The sea became blood. Become like blood, right? We see that in Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. It described a partial contamination of the sea back then. In the one of the first judgments. Here the contamination is made complete. Every living creature in the sea is dead. 
It doesn't mean it actually became blood. But it does, as it says, as, as of a corpse blood, a dark blood. If you've ever been around, and I hope you never have to be, some of us have been exposed and been around a lot of people whose bodies have died, and the blood is there, and it quickly is very dark, and that blood comes, turns very um, unpleasant smell very quickly. The stench, you'll never forget that stench. But as you think this through, it's going to have a, an appearance or a sickening characteristic of the blood like a dead body's blood would be. The smell of a dead body's blood is never forgotten once you've looked at it. But the entire sea of all that lives in it, the plankton, the algae, all the way to the great whale of every microorganism will die in this sea and create a stench and a dark red color like the, what we refer to as the red tide today. If you've gone in the south areas, there's times where the red tide comes in and it's very dangerous. You can't go near it. And the smell and the look, anyone who's in the Florida, I think in the Florida areas where I've always keep hearing at certain times of the seasons, you read about it. But imagine that red tide and that stench all covering all of the oceans and sea. According to the NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, it's hard to imagine. But about 97% of the Earth's water can be found in our ocean. 97%. And of the tiny percent that is not in the ocean, only about 2% is frozen up in the glaciers and the ice caps. Less than 1% of all the water on the earth is fresh. And a tiny fraction of that is in water vapor in the atmosphere. So 97% of the water will be undrinkable, unlivable. Nothing will live in it. Dead fishies everywhere. And everything else. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, there are over 332, or 332,519,000, or million, I should say, cubic miles of water on the planet. A cubic mile is the volume of a cube measured one mile on each side. And of this vast volume of water, Noah's data center estimates there's 300, 300, or yes, 321, over 321 million cubic miles in the, in the ocean. To put it in... Maybe more, uh, I'll pick on Stan again, farmer terms. It's enough water to fill over 352,670 352, to the 15th power. That's 15 zeros, gallon-sized milk containers. We went to the farm, got some eggs. That's where I got that analogy popping up. You know how many jugs of water we'd have to fill up? That's how I came up with that one. 
Can you imagine the amount of, of water in the oceans turning to this nasty smelling looking blood-like liquid? That is the intensity of what these people are going to go live through. Those who put their trust in the creation and not the creator and worship the ocean, they're, they're going to be sadly mistaken when it comes time for this. They, no longer, they don't trust Jesus, they trust in the whale or the dolphins. Now we see the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and it became blood. This one is a different language. It became blood. Now this is complete contamination. Remember, it was a partial contamination in Revelation 8. But now it's a complete contamination. Not just one third, but all of it now. And as you look at that, you talk about the rivers and the springs of water. The drinking water will no longer be able to be taken in for nourishment. How long do you survive without water? That's why I think it's a quick sensations of these last bowls will happen very quickly because people can't survive without water. Imagine the, the heat in a desert with no water. When these judgments come, the time must be very short, yes, because this ecological disaster cannot sustain a human race and survive very long with that. The second and third bowls parallel the first plague that we see in, in Egypt, Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. The entire ecosystem of seas and oceans will be polluted at this point. The third trumpet made a third part of the inland waters bitter as wormwood. But the, the third bowl will cause it to be what? Bitter will be turned into blood of all waters. Heaven gives justification for this terrible judgment. For those who struggle how could God do this? I explained at the very beginning. The darkness is so thick on this world because of the intensity of hard hearts. That heaven gives justification for the terrible judgment. The earth dwellers will have shed the blood of God's people. That is why. Look in verse 5 through 7 here. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. What things? For they, they, those earth dwellers, those who rebelled against God, those who took the mark, those who were worshiping the, the, the things of this world, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, that is why the judgment is just. 
and you have given them blood to drink. You want to spill the blood of the saints, the blood of the prophets, so those who I came to send to warn you, you now are going to drink the blood. For it is their just due. You reap what you sow. I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And they are. It is completely fitting for those who delighted in shedding the blood of saints, persecuting the saints and the prophets, should now be forced to drink blood. They refused the living water that God offered them, and now will be given death to drink. Even in the midst of the judgment, it is the right and the, it is right that the angel says, not only is God just fair, it is also pure and appropriate. If, if in God's government, the punishment fits the crime. Pharaoh reminds us of Pharaoh so many times, how many God, God brings the plagues. And they, it's, it just revealed how hard his heart was every time the plague happened. He just kept revealing the heart of Pharaoh. And as the judgments come out, it just reveals the hardness of man's heart. Pharaoh tried to drown the Jewish baby boys. But it was on his, his own army that eventually drowned in the Red Sea. Haman planned to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he built and to exterminate the Jews. But he himself was hanged on the gallows that he made and his family was exterminated. But think with me here. As Jesus hung on the cross, praying for, for, for forgiveness upon those who nailed him there, water and blood flowed from his side. And from a medical, symbolic kind of perspective, it, it revealed a broken heart of our Lord. Making a way for you to be forgiven if you would just repent of your sins and, and put your trust in me. And people rejected him. Not only did they reject him, he's here on that cross with a broken heart, and the water and blood meant nothing to the crowd of Golgotha who cursed him and spat on him, and turned their backs on him. It meant nothing to them. And so here in Revelation, the water is turned to blood physically because mankind rejected the redemptive blood that flowed with the water. And it's still so true today. You can present the gospel Simple and clear of what Jesus has done for mankind on the cross. And they just reject it. Reject him. I think it's just foolish to believe. 
But what they forget is not a dead God. We, we worship and we serve and we follow a living God. We must not forget that. We see here, John writes, I heard another from the altar saying this voice is either an angel speaking from the altar or an altar personified, meaning it's representing that corporate voice, a testimony of the martyrs that are up there that we saw in Revelation 6-9, or the prayers of the saints we noted in Revelation 8, verses 3-5. through 5. Whoever that voice is of one angel or of the whole, of all of us believers at that time, whoever it is, remember, in our own times of trial and tribulation, there can be a tendency within us to question the fairness of the, of the Father. How could our Heavenly Father allow this to happen to us? But here I see this and I see the altar. The altar is a place of sacrifice. The cross speaks just the opposite. If you don't see this, this is I'm hoping you grasp. You're, you'll go through life one day blessing the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Everything's great. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Everything's about bless the Lord. And the next day you're cursing him because of your troubles at work or troubles in life and troubles in home and troubles in relationships. You're cursing. How, God, how could you allow this to have happened to me? But we must understand the cross has dealt with it all. The sacrifice, the altar, and it comes out with a voice that he is just. He's good. He is right. He's in control. These things, as a child of God, you must settle in your hearts so you don't have these emotional swings of, oh, praise and bless the Lord and praise the next man. Oh, Father, how can you do this to me? It just shows that you're, you're just not mature in your walk with the Lord. You need to get in the Word. You need to meditate on His Word more. You must know Him at a deeper level because if that's where speaking of you right now and that's how you are in that roller coaster of emotion, you need to mature. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening. That's why you need to hear this message today. God demonstrated his love for you in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. We were sinners and he went to die for you. He didn't wait for you to try to get your life together. You never would have gotten your life together. You had no capacity and capability to get your life right. Therefore, it is through the lens of God's love as demonstrated on the altar of Calvary that I must lock and look at every trial I face and every hard time I endure from that perspective to keep me from going squirrely in my thoughts and go against my Heavenly Father that would not be right. I must understand of God's love was demonstrated and complete and it, it is finished, he says on the cross. Forgiveness is, for, is given to me on the cross. 
And my ability to forgive others is based upon that finished work that Jesus has given me. I have been forgiven. I can now have the power of the Holy Spirit give me the ability to forgive another. He demonstrated his love for me on that cross and an ability of not being able to love. But because of his love shown and demonstrated, I now have the power of the Holy Spirit within me to have a transformed life, a new creation, a new life to be able to love others as God has loved me. And if you're not there yet, Keep showing up regardless how you feel. Because God is doing a sovereign work in you. And when you gave your life to Christ, he promises to complete that work in your life. But don't hinder that work. Don't grieve the work of the Holy Spirit who's trying to transform your life. And it's through, yes, trials, tribulations, especially if you want patience or need patience, ask James. You'll be refined. The sooner you're refined, the better it is. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How can we not with him also freely give us all things? We see that in Romans 8, 32 very clearly. Because God loved us enough to hang on the cross in my place and in your place, to pay for our, my sin and for your sin, to die for me, to die for you, I know everything he does in my life, whether or not I understand it, whether or not I emotionally agree with it, whether or not I intellectually try to think it through and believe it, whether I understand it at all. All the time. I don't, don't, I don't understand all the, the, why this time. I understood the last time, Lord, but I don't understand this time. Regardless of all that, it is right. He's always right. And there is a purpose in his sovereign plan for your life. Now, verses 8 and 9, we'll finish with this. Then we'll go into communion. This is the fourth bowl. Man has been impacted. The oceans have been impacted. The fresh water has been impacted. Now the fourth bowl now gets the sun involved. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. They didn't worship him. They didn't turn from their wicked ways. They didn't do anything. 
Their heart was so hardened. What is normally taken for granted, especially days like this, we can't wait for the sun and during a winter season. Oh, where's the sun? Oh, we bathe. Oh, we lay out there. It's 20 below zero, but the sun's out. Let's just see. Get in the... <laughs> but here, the beautiful warmth of a sunny day is now a curse. All earthly life depends on the light of the sun. In the previous judgments, part of the sun had been dimmed, if you remember, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 12. But now the heat of the sun is increased. Intensity. With heat comes thirst. And now nowhere to turn for clean water. It is very desperate times in these end times of the tribulation. The sad part is, this clearly shows the hard hearts of the people on this earth at this time. Because even all that does not cause one to turn to God and plead and cry out for, for, for mercy. They did not repent. And they did not give him glory. They did not worship him. The failure of men to respond to repentance shows knowledge or experience of judgment in one's life will not change man's sinful condition. Those who are not won by the grace of God will never be won. We are saved, we are, have, we are free by the grace of God. Have you accepted the grace of God in your life this morning? Everyone is offered the grace of God. But have you accepted and are you living in the grace of God? But they would not repent. Malachi 4.1 says it very clearly. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud. That's the speaking of those earth dwellers at this time. Yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And, that, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. Malachi prophesied of this end times, of what would happen, of those who are so proudful, so stiff-necked, that we were not willing to humble thyself and surrender their life to Christ. They wanted their life how they wanted it. So the final bowls of judgment poured out upon the earth in rapid cessation resulted in a blistered bodies, Stinking seas, blood-red rivers, scorching sun. Yet man chooses through it all to do what? To blaspheme rather than repent. 
I pray that no one here in this room and those listening online have found themselves in this position where they continue to reject the grace of God and the warnings through the scripture. I pray today you'll give your life to Christ. And as the men get prepared to come, we're going to take communion. This is for those who are saved. This, is, this moment is for those who have given their life to Jesus Christ. They've been born again, regenerated. That's what communion is about, is to come together as a church family to celebrate the finished work of Jesus has done on the cross for you and for me. To remember what he has done and not to forget the sacrificial life of Christ for us. The victory that we have in him. That's why we do communion. Not because it's a religious thing to do. Not because we have to do. It's because we want to do. Because we want to remember God's depth of unconditional love for you and me. Do you know you're loved? Do you know he loves you? That doesn't change based on your performance. That doesn't get changed based on your mood. That doesn't change because of your do good, good, good things for him. It is a finished work. It's his work that we celebrate, not ours. Because apart from him, we could do nothing of eternal value. Don't forget that. But we get to. He allows us to. As a child of God, we get to boldly come to the throne of God and cry out, Abba, Father. We sang that. Did you not? We sang that with your words of song. Do you see your heavenly Father's Abba, Father? And what the Son has done, our Savior, Jesus Christ on the cross, took and paid your penalty of your sins and mine and washed us as white as snow. So you should be celebrating every day, especially today. All the way here, you should say, thank you, I'm forgiven. And you should have, thank you, I'm forgiven. And you should have been singing, I am cleansed by the blood. I mean, every song you can think of, you should have been praising Jesus all the way here. I'm sure you were. You weren't thinking about the plows and how much snow was piled up and how difficult it was. I, that wasn't even crossing your minds because you were worshiping him because the snow reminded you that you and I are what? Forgiven. Have the men come forward. We're going to hold the cracker, hold the juice, and we'll start taking together as a church family in unity. Let us worship.